Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Jesse's Girls. I'm your host, Jesse Chambliss, and fan-demanded episode here today. I was surprised to note that so many people were asking about S Club 7. Um, you know, I, I tend to focus, of course, specifically on women, but there were more women than men in this group, so we're going to count them as some of Jesse's girls because S Club 7 was really formative for me as a child uh, and my, my love of pop music and pop culture. Um, John's abs in particular were very formative for me as well. Uh, and so, you know, I really wanted to have a guest with great perspective here. And I, I told him that before this, <laughs> before we were recording, that I really wanted to work on my um, pronunciation of cities and English <laughs> things. And so um, I've listened to you, Adam, say your last name many times, but I've been so nervous to try and pronounce it. That's why I didn't want to ask you beforehand how you say it, because I've heard you say it when you've recorded and so I'm going to attempt here, okay? <laughs> and I, I don't know why I'm so nervous. I'm sweating. <laughs> okay, Adam, you say like strong, right? Yeah. Really? Perfect. Yeah, that's it. Because, oh my gosh. Okay, well, Adam, <laughs> you are a content creator, a podcaster, a model, and you do a lot of things. And so I'm, I'm so excited because you're going to be the representative of all of the UK for me today. Thank you so much. Oh, and, God. <laughs> but also, you are really tuned into pop culture. And so thank you so much for being willing to come on here and discuss this silly little group in this moment of time with me. No, absolutely, Jesse. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, um, regarding the surname, just pronounce it like it's spelled S-T-R-A-W-N and you're all good. But um, but yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. It's it's so nice to dip back into something like this where the kind of content that I do doesn't allow me to kind of go back into like big bands, of, especially nostalgic bands like S Club 7, right? So it's so nice. And my kind of understanding of pop culture, I'm not someone like our mutual friend Troy who like, has his fingers in all the pies of pop culture and like has such yeah. a vast knowledge. But when I dig in deep with stuff and especially when it's nostalgia, then I'm all in. So I'm really over the moon to talk about this. I can't wait to hear you pronounce different places in England. This will be, <laughs> this will be really, really funny. I'm really excited for that. But, um, but honestly, no, thank you so much for having me on. It's been, I've been looking forward to this a lot. Okay. Well, I love that. You and I met last year because of Troy, because we went to a Beyond the Blinds live show. Um, mm. And it's my understanding, you weren't living here yet, or in the States yet. You were still um, back home, right? Mm -hmm, that's correct. Yeah. So I was, yeah, I just flew in. Uh, so I'm originally from, to give some context, so th where this accent is from. So I'm from the northeast of England. Now, when you say that, um, a lot of people will, you know, straight straight away jump to Newcastle because that's like the kind of, that's the major city. There are, there are three major cities in the northeast of England, but Newcastle is the major one. Um, and I don't have a Geordie accent. You know, I don't sound like Jade Thurwell from Little Mix, um, which is a full-on Geordie accent. But yeah. there's there's... There's elements of that within my accent because I'm from the same area, the same region, right? Um, so yeah, I was living there and then I flew in and that was crazy. Like I 
I flew in. I meant to just stay one night in New York and then was flying to Chicago the next day. But then with the snow and everything, it was just, it was wild. All the plane, like everything, all the flights were being canceled. So I ended up staying two nights and then flew out. And it was like, I think all of Chicago happened within 12 hours. And like in that time, like we had brunch, which is like where we kind of met initially. And then um, it was just, we had mimosas nonstop from there. And then it was just, I'm sure I was drunk for the full 12 hours and then went to like Troy Shore and then like kind of met Troy and um, afterwards. And that was a lot of fun. And it was, it was interesting because Troy and I didn't know each other well then, like pretty mm-hmm. much at all. We knew each other to say hello to. And like compared to now, how well we get on, how well we know each other. And we've obviously gone out to do content and everything together as well. But yeah, like we sat down, we had a conversation as well. I'm sure we were both, as you said, about 45% drunk the entire time. (laughs) But it was a great kind of atmosphere to meet one another. And it was fun. Um, Yeah. And then I stayed in, obviously in Chicago. I then flew back to New York. And then I flew back to, I'll I'll say Newcastle. But yeah, because I lived near to Newcastle. Um, yeah. And then only recently, kind of as of September last year, made the transition to live out here in New York. Um, yeah. something I've always wanted to do. And I'm so in a privileged position where I'm able to do that. So it's, um, yeah, it's been incredible. It's been like something in the distance I've always wanted to happen. Yeah. And now it has happened. I'm like, yeah, I'm ecstatic. Kind of living the dream in many ways. Yeah. Well, welcome to the States. I Thank can't you. wait for you to really get to explore the rest of them. Um, have you, you know, I'm in Texas. Have you been to Texas before? Never been to Texas. Um, it's on the list. I'd like to kind of visit, um, for the places I have been so far. I mean, I've done, obviously I've done like family holidays. So I've been to New York, like obviously prior to this, I've been to Florida. Um, and then, well, I went to Oklahoma. Um, that was like really random, but really fun. And that's a funny story where basically the only reason I was there, my friend who I was supposed to go with wanted to go to see filming locations of a certain TV show that's filmed in Oklahoma. She's a big fan. And then she came down with COVID, so couldn't fly. No. Then I was still going. So I was like, well, what do, what do I do? And she was like, please just go, like just document stuff and everything. I was like, okay. So I just went. And that's the first time I met our mutual friend, uh, Zach, as well, in person. Oh, and okay. Alistair as well, his husband. And I met them in Oklahoma. And I just, again, I was like, just, it just, it was so random. But I was like, well, why not? Let's just go and explore somewhere, you know, that, is is never really heard of people from England flying to Oklahoma, but okay. And then I've been to, I had my first ever Thanksgiving here last year. And then with my partner, we went to Seattle with his family. And that's a funny word. Seattle is the way I say it with my accent. Um, <laughs> and we went there and like, that was my first ever American Thanksgiving. And like, Seattle is beautiful. Oh my God. Beautiful. Loved it there. Um, yeah. Big fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and the pop the pop culture museum there had the actual stick used in the show and I lost my shit. But, um, but yeah, like that was incredible. A nice, like another kind of part of, you know, the States that I got to see there. Very, very different vibe from New York, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm kind of like working my way around different States, different areas. I went to Baltimore for a wedding as well. That was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, still so much more that I want to see. I have been to, I'm just thinking now, I have been to California as well. That was for a holiday. I went to, stayed in Anaheim um, and that was a lot of fun as well. So I'm kind of like working my way around, but there's still so much more that I want to see. Yeah. Well, it's so funny. Um, I used to live in Oklahoma as well. And so um, Zach and I have been able to talk about that because I know exactly where he and Alistair were living on base. Um, Mm. So, you know, it, 
uh, it's yeah, very interesting. Um, you know, I haven't even been to Seattle, so you've seen parts of the States that I haven't. So, you know, congratulations. You you for that. <laughs> um, but you know, I'm really glad that you're, you're here and you're getting to experience it. And, uh, you know, it's going to be such, such an adventure for you. Um, mm. So tell me, you know, if I'm thinking about parts of the United States, I think about the the stereotypes, the vibes, the the cultural norms of different pockets of the U.S. And so, um, you know, where you're from, what you know, what what is what are you known for? What are people stereotyped as, or or what's a characteristic of um, from from that region of the country? It's so interesting. So. In America, you guys have Jersey Shore, right? Yeah. So that TV show. So in Newcastle, we have Geordie Shore. Oh my um, gosh, that's right. Yeah, okay, yeah. I have heard of Geordie Shore. Okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're on the same level here. So yeah, so people from Newcastle um, are called Geordies. Now, don't ask me why. It's just a name that they have. Um, there's a lot of different different cities in like you know the united kingdom have different labels where people when they're from there they like for example people from liverpool are called scousers people from birmingham are called brummies there's like all these different things and people from newcastle are called geordies um now i'm not kind of i'm not really a geordie because i'm not from newcastle although i do my my job was based in newcastle obviously it's the major city um and i live kind of a bit more outside so i have a bit more of a durham type accent um, which is another city just like more kind of south of Newcastle. Okay. But yeah, like Newcastle, it's interesting where, you know, it has like a history of like, you know, big industrial kind of action where there was like, there was a lot of shipbuilding that used to happen there. Like, um, you know, there's a lot of like industry. Like I come from an ex-coal mining village and, you know, coal mining like back in the 80s and then like early 90s was huge in the UK, right? So there's a lot of history about that there. But I mean, now kind of modern day, uh, obviously, we have Geordie Show, um, and if you've watched Jersey, Jersey Show, and you can understand like how that TV show plays out, it's basically exactly the same. Yeah. Um, bit of a guilty pleasure, Geordie Show, I will say. It's nice to see like <laughs> parts of Newcastle represented on that show, and like some of the, some of the people on there are great. I actually know one of the cast members really well, um, and yeah, I mean, there's, so there's, there's celebrities that we have from Newcastle. You know, I mentioned Little Mix earlier on. Two members of Little Mix are from you know like that part. You know, you've got. Um, you have who are they again? Why is my mind blanking? What are the what's it? Perry, Perry Edwards Perry. and Jay, Jay Thurwell. Um, yeah, who are from like that area. Um, and then you've got like the likes of uh Charlie Hunnam, who's from you know various TV shows and films, he's from there as well. You might have heard of a little director called Ridley Scott, he's also from there as well. Um, yeah. never heard of him, no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so and that's you know kind of the main part of it we have like yeah. this there's certain stereotypes where there's a there's a bakery called greg's which kind of everybody in the uk knows that started in newcastle that's a huge thing um and you might have seen um michelle visage who basically loves england was wearing like greg's branded like track suits before when she was there it. like it's it's okay. just a cultural kind of staple yeah. really. everybody from yeah. england knows what greg's is um but yeah but originated in newcastle and yeah that's kind of yeah that's it. Apart okay. from just being like a major city with all the kind of same stereotypes that a city brings with it as well, right? Yeah. Okay, that's very interesting. That's and you know, I'm I'm a mixer myself. I I really like Little Mix, so um, mm. that that helps to provide some perspective here. And um, in this episode, we will talk about uh, the individual members of S Club Seven uh, toward the end. You know where they are now, what they're doing, uh, and I will you know list where they are from. 
and you, you know, like I said, I'm going to try and pronounce them correctly, and I can't wait to um, hear what you say. <laughs> but let's yeah. dive in. Um, I really think the inception of S Club Seven is fascinating because uh, Simon Fuller formed them, and uh, if you, you know, I talked about Spice Girls uh, on some of my episodes in this season, and he is, you know, the mastermind uh, behind the formation of the Spice Girls, and he had 19 Entertainment that was formed. Well. Simon Fuller gets fired as the Spice Girls manager in November of 1997, and he claims that the day after his firing, he came up with the idea of putting together another supergroup that had mixed gender, okay? So similar to the Spice Girls, he uh, decides to uh, host open auditions, and he posts in the stage infamous uh, publication um, that has produced, you know, many superstars, and... Uh, he had, uh, you know, these auditions and everybody had to audition except for Rachel Stevens. She was already um, on the radar of some mm -hmm. record executives. And so they had her put together a demo and just submit it. And so she didn't have to do a true audition. And she was invited into the group. Um, Joe and Paul were asked to audition. So they were on someone's radar as well. I think they were discovered kind of in the process. And so they were asked to attend the auditions. Um, the other four were a part of the true actual, you know, they saw the ad in stage and they went to, to the auditions themselves. They had a couple of lineup changes, but then we ended up with the seven that we know and they formed S Club 7. So in thinking about the name as well, the S, there's a little bit of lore around that too. Um, some believe that S stands for Simon. Um, he has 19 entertainment, as I mentioned, and S is the 19th letter in the alphabet. And then some believe that S just stands for seven because it's the start of the word seven. Mm. So they form and they come up with this sort of marketing, genius marketing idea to give them a television show immediately. And it chronicles exaggerated versions of themselves trying to break into the music industry in the US, which is ironic because they didn't really have a lot of US success, but um, they their television show did. And so um, in, in England and in the UK, it was called Miami 7. In the United mm -hmm. States, it was called S Club 7 in Miami. So did you watch this television show? What was your exposure to S Club 7? I mean, of course I did. Like, you know, around this time, like, so I was like, what, like kind of 11, 12, like when kind of S Club like really blasted onto the scene. And, you know, it was one of those things where it was always on, you know, the way like, you know, nowadays, like with popular culture, you've got stuff like you flick through the channels and friends is always on or yes. something like that's always on like that. Right. Like the S Club TV series was exactly the same. And I used to watch it like, um, you know, on a Saturday morning when it was on like as a kid. And because it was always kind of focused around their music. Right. Or like the most recent song that's come out that always I like, do yeah. storylines around that. And they'd end up performing it in the episode. And because I was so into the music at the time, like I was all in. You know, like just watching this and like they would bring certain storylines in, which some of them were hilarious. Some of them are just like, you know, what the fuck? But um, but also like kind of interband relationships as well, like the kind of relationship between Paul and Hannah. That was a storyline for a little bit and stuff like that. But um, it was one of those things that, you know, I would go into school and like everyone would be talking about it, like everyone mm -hmm. would be talking about the S Club series and like 
it was all kind of like tongue in cheek, right? Like nobody kind of sat down and like took it as this serious piece of drama, and that was because it it wasn't, and that's not the way it presented itself. Of course, but everyone everyone was all in because yeah. their music, like they didn't just enter kind of you know the music industry and start; they blasted into the music industry. And I think you know we don't see this anymore. We don't see this where artists come along and they've got a TV show going along with them, and then they've got movies that come out as well after that, or in the same time, and then you know, all of the merchandise and everything around that. You know, we don't see that anymore. Like artists just come along, they kind of either take off or kind of have like a slow burn into success. And that's all to do with just their music and how well it does within the music industry. But that's kind of genius to have the TV show going along with it. I mean, as well, like what, there was like over 50 episodes of it as well. So we're not just talking like a one series, two series thing. Um, But yeah, it was like, it was part of the zeitgeist. Everyone was talking about it. It was popular culture, like everybody just tuned in and watched this thing and even you know even if you missed an episode it didn't kind of matter because you would just pick up like on the next episode and because you knew the song as well you could pick up the gist of it but yeah it was like just as you said it was like you know they were playing like exaggerated versions of themselves mm-hmm. um you know none of them are going to win any academy awards but it's not that type of show it was just fun and that's the word for them fun and it falls yeah. into that bracket yeah it was really self-aware as yeah. well for a, a children's television show. And, you know, I don't think I appreciated the genius of it back then when I was watching as a kid, it was just a TV show and they had fun music and they were a real mm. group, you know, but thinking back now to the marketing of it, it really is brilliant. And to have them play sort of exaggerated versions of themselves, it also helped us to know them as individuals, you know? Yeah. Hannah was the sweet one. They, she was kind of like the yellow aura. And then we had Bradley and he's like a city guy and he can rap and sing and dance. And then, you know, it, it, we just got all pieces of them and, and their personalities. And Rachel was like the hot girl. She was the model and Joe was the voice. And, mm-hmm. you know, so you just it really helped to differentiate them. And and I think something that makes certain groups successful is whenever you know them as individuals Mm -hmm. Um, or they are all equally contributing because there are some groups where you um, don't know them as individuals and there may be one like breakout superstar, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So for them, I I really feel like they were all in the beginning on level playing field. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I want to, I'm a chart nerd. I love the numbers. I like to know, you know, <laughs> who did well, who did, which albums did and didn't. Um, are, and, and you can be honest here. Are you aware of how successful they were in terms of the actual numbers? Uh, in terms of like where their albums and songs kind of yeah, position like in the Yeah, like charting and, and sales and everything. So not exactly, obviously. I know like their biggest songs, like the ones that probably did the best, but not specifically where they charted. So I am interested to learn exactly from you. So I was surprised. I knew that they were really popular, but I didn't realize how insanely popular they were in the UK in terms of their success. Mm -hmm. So their first three albums uh, respectively peaked at two, one, and three. Their last album was kind of a a flop, respectively. Um, Mm -hmm. But... I mean, their first three albums were massive sellers. Um, in the United States, though, they just didn't have the same level of success. Um, but in the, and we'll talk about the US here in a second, but to talk about the singles in the UK, the other thing that I noted was they didn't have a single release that charted lower than number five. There you go. On the UK singles chart. They had one, two, three, four number ones. 
They had one, two, three, four number or five number twos, a number three, and then a number five. So their songs were like absolute smash hits, all of basically all of them. Um, and so to to see that, I was I was surprised. I knew that they were really popular, but wow, they they were um, really knocking it out of the park in terms of of um, chart success. Uh, obviously, I think the number ones make a lot of sense. It's um, bring it all back. Uh, never had a dream come true. Um, Reach was number two, but it's still like a signature song for them. Uh, Don't mm-hmm. stop moving was huge. Have you ever was huge. Um, and so, it, it, are you know when I think about their respective sort of success in the United States, though, it's really interesting. I think in in the states we had an awareness of who they were because of the television show, um, but their music wasn't selling as well. So their first two albums charted, but not very high at all. Um, and they only had one song chart in the United States. Do you know what song that is? Is it Never Had a Dream Come True? It is. Mm. And it peaked at number 10. And it was such a fluke, too. <laughs> so um, I want to ask you, Adam, this was a um, Children in Need charity single. And that's a big yeah. thing in the UK. So can you just oh talk a little bit about Children in Need and, and what the cultural impact of that is? Yeah, so like whenever like artists were performing on Children in Need, like it was like elevating their status, you know, because like it was, so Children in Need, if anyone doesn't know, is like a big charity event, right? So all of the money made from like, you know, the show and then they'd sell like Children in Need specific single versions of songs and like all the, that money would go to charity, right? Um, but the success of Children in Need, like everybody tuned in and watched Children in Need. So we had like, you know, stuff in the UK, like you're probably familiar with Top of the Pops and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But Children in Need was like, the elite it was so special because it had that attachment to the charity right but yeah like every artist who was an artist like everybody all of the big names around this time there's a lot that i could mention and i think later on what we'll do is i'll mention some of the big uk artists around the time and see how many of them you know um okay but like yeah exactly right but like all of these names i'm looking at here like will have had or did have um singles like children need like performances as well and everyone would watch it like everyone would like watch these performances and they were always incredibly special and like i remember s clubs as well and it was just you know it was it was really special and you know that 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 one song never had a dream come true um you know it's kind of within the vein of the type of single that would be released for children need um but as well like that one song i mean it's interesting how when that comes on now in the UK, um, I mean, if you've seen the music video, it's very kind of mm-hmm. snowy. They're out in the Arctic by the look of it. It's, it's played every Christmas time here now. Um, okay. And, and this this was a weird trend in the UK where artists started to have like the one single that would be the Christmas song. So for S Club 7, it was Never Had a Dream Come True. Even though it's not really Christmassy, but because they're all in the Arctic, hey, it, it makes sense. Um, but then you had like another band uh, called Steps, who I was like massively into at the time as well. And they had like Heartbeat, that was their Christmas song again, all filmed in the snowy kind of atmosphere. Uh, East 17, like Stay Another Day, like that song, nothing to do with Christmas, but because they're all wrapped up and it's snowing in the music video, again, it was this trend and never had a dream come true was right there within that trend. So it's so interesting that that's the one that charted and made success in America. But yeah, obviously elevated definitely by the performance on children in need. Yeah. So never had a dream come true was, uh, 
initially um, just the the charity single for children in need, and then it got put on their second album, Sevens, um, kind mm-hmm. of reissue. So uh, what happened in the United States, like I said, is really just a fluke. Um, I don't I don't know exactly what happened for it to even have the sort of commercial release that it did, but I know the impact. So they wound up since it started gaining traction and it started um, being rotated in MTV, they performed it on TRL, which is like an an American royalty thing to do, you know, at this time, right? If you were performing something on TRL, that was a big deal. That means you were really cornering a teen market. Um, they also got on a now compilation CD and, you know, if that is another like coveted thing that was in the late nineties and early two thousands, if you got a spot on a now CD, you had a bona fide hit regardless, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't a massive chart success, you were still important enough and prestigious enough to, to have your spot on that <laughs> album. And so for them to be able to do that is massive. And also such a fluke because it never happened for them again. You know, mm. they didn't have another song in which they had this impact and they were able to, to perform in that way. Um, and none of their other songs charted. And so I, I think it is fascinating. Those are the really niche moments in pop culture that will always capture my attention because I, I, it's like an unsolved mystery. Uh, but it's, it's a really specific moment in time that we can look back to. So I am just enamored by that. And I would love to talk with, everyone involved in that song and find out how they got it to the States and why it was such a success. It's so interesting because like for me personally, it's not even their best song. Like what it's is it in cheap. particular? It, it, oh my God. Like cheese is falling out of your mouth as you sing it, like literally. Yeah. But, um, but there's just, it's different as well from their, like their bubblegum pop and like their whole aesthetic of having fun. They were like, you know, the music videos were on a beach or like, you know, somewhere in the desert, like, you know, like just all having fun together, having a party. And then that came along and it was kind of almost like a sidestep from what we were used to hearing from them. Not their only ballad, obviously, the very last song they ever released as well as like a goodbye ballad, Mm -hmm. which I actually prefer. But yeah, Never Had a Dream Come True. It's so interesting. That's the one that kind of, you know, broke through into America. I'd love to find out the reasoning why, but hey, it might remain a mystery. Yeah. And and that song in particular too, I I think about the fact that it almost sucks for the rest of the group because Joe sang that entire song basically. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, while, you know, I, I think about like Hannah and Tina didn't get as many uh, parts as, as uh, other people, they at least had, you know, a line or two in, in most mm. of their songs and, and, and Bradley too really became um, the lead vocalist with Joe, especially um, in, you know, don't stop moving sunshine era yes. and on. Uh, but they got paid dust. They got nothing. It was the Joe <laughs> show for Never Had a Dream Come True. And that was their like big US hit. And so I can imagine, you know, I don't think any of them have even in even now in, in retrospective interviews, uh, I don't think that they've alluded to any anybody's screen time or anything, which is funny, because that usually comes out in groups. Um, they mm. really are a bit of a united front in that way. As far as any of the interviews that I've watched and things that I've seen, but I can imagine it must have been a, an eye roll, like, oh, of course, this is our breakout U.S. single, and then none of us have a part. We look like yeah. a choir behind Joe. <laughs> and it's weird, because, like, Say Goodbye as well, like, the last song, like, obviously they released, which is, if you watch the music video to that, it is literally them watching old memories of their career, taking down yeah. photographs of each other from a wall, and, like, it's all kind of very blank canvas and it is them literally saying goodbye to S Club 7. They're, like, packing away stuff into boxes, but in that, you get 
you know, a single like vocal from Hannah, from Tina. And it was really, it came far too late, but it was quite nice for them to actually get that before they kind of went. Um, obviously, Paul's not in the band at this point, but obviously you see like, you know, him in pictures and everything like that. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Like it was totally the Joe show. And, you know, she has an incredible voice. Like, you know, she has the power, she has pipes. Um, but when they did start to break through and you had more vocals from other people, like you say, like when Bradley really started to step up, I mean, what a vocal, you know, and yeah. like Don't Stop Moving and stuff like that. When he started, I was like, all right, why didn't we get more of this earlier? Yeah, I really like Bradley's voice. I think it, he complimented Joe's as well, so well, mm. um, especially when they would kind of like do their back and forth. Uh, you know, one person does a verse, the other does another. Um, I, I thought that worked and they, yeah, absolutely. They should have been doing that earlier. Um, mm. so just to kind of go back to the albums, uh, chronologically, uh, what happened in the U S too was interesting for how they released things because we got the first two albums proper. Um, but then, uh, sunshine and seeing double, they did not release in the U S and they actually smushed them together for an album, a U.S. only compilation that they called don't stop moving. So, mm. you know, this was very, very early internet. I didn't even know that there were two whole albums that they had kind of cut in half and put together and don't stop moving because they didn't include all of the tracks. Right. And so I didn't know some, some of the songs until later. And I didn't know that some were sunshine tracks and some were seeing double tracks. Um, and, uh, you know, I, some of them aren't on streaming. And so like one of my favorite S club songs is who do you think you are from nice. seeing double? And um, I really like when they get into their like deep house uh, moments. I think it suits them really well personally. Um, you know, don't stop moving kind of like throwback disco funky. Yeah. Um, and then they kind of moved into this like deeper house music that I thought was pretty like forward for, for the time, especially coming from their very bubblegum, um, like silly fun roots, you know, a few albums prior to that. Uh, mm. But yeah, I, so, so like, um, Gangsta Love, uh, uh, Alive, uh, mm. Don't Stop Moving, um, Who Do You Think You Are? All of those were all on the Don't Stop Moving CD that was released in the United States. And fun fact, I remember exactly how I got that CD as well. Um, so the standard thing, you know, you remember this, you would go to your department store, your CD store, or whatever, and you would beg your parents to buy you this $20 disc. And, <laughs> um, you know, sometimes they would be like, no, I'm not paying that much money, whatever for this album. And you would just have to wait or you like for Christmas or your birthday or whatever. Um, because you know, that's a lot of money to drop on one thing every time you go to the store. Right. And, mm. uh, you know, we were talking about like target and TJ Maxx before we were hit record or as, as it is in the U. UK. What is TJ Maxx in the UK, Adam? It is TK Maxx. Mm -hmm. Which sounds like an alternate universe knockoff. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you have these like big superstores here in the US. And so you get your groceries and your everything else all in the same place. Right. And so you're already spending $100 on groceries for the week for your for your family. And, you know, not everybody mm. could just grab a CD. Um, so anyway, I remember it was um, the Don't Stop Moving compilation album. Uh, that had that had come out and it wasn't like super popular it wasn't easy to find and I was at a um, 
I think I was at a pawn shop with my uh, with my family, and they had CDs there that were heavily discounted. And I saw it, and I saw them. <sighs> the cover is them like um, walking off like a helicopter, and um, I saw it, and I was like, I have to have this. This has to be mine, mm-hmm. and this is the one I'm missing from my collection. And I also bought. Are you familiar with Three LW, the girl group? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also bought their second like flop album as well because I love a <laughs> flop. Um, yeah. And those are the two CDs I got from this pawn shop in Arkansas where I'm from. And just like the gayest CDs that I could have grabbed um, at this like <laughs> place where people are selling like old jewelry and guns. Um, mm. So that was, that was just a really fun specific memory that I have of, of getting their music. It's so funny because um, it's, I remember specifically, um, so I used to work in Woolworths, which I believe you had here as well before they like kind of went into liquidation and they used to have like the singles charts and the album charts and everything like that. So I used to work there and used to put all of those out. And I mean, going back prior to that, I remember my best friend who's still my best friend now, who's, he's like, he's a full on metal head now, right? Like loves heavy metal, everything like that. But when we used to live next door to each other, he, I just went over, you know, we used to hang out, we were kids, I was same age. And then I went next door and he came in and he was like, I've just been to Woolworths. I've just bought this. And it was the Don't Stop Moving single. And I was like, oh my God. And it was like, this was the era and he still got it. And this was the era when, do you remember like when singles used to come out on physical disc and they'd have like maybe yeah. two or three extra tracks on. Um, <laughs> so he had that. And I was like, and um, this was this was this was the time, right? When you know, this is God. I sound like an ancient old man when I say this, but this was before, like, we had you know, cell phones or mobile phones, as we call them. Like, this was before YouTube. So, like, mm-hmm. there was there was TV channels dedicated to just showing music videos. So, stuff like MTV in the UK, we had something called the Box, and like different like channels like that. And I was always coming in from school and like flicking through the channels to try and find the latest, you know, music videos from the latest artists and things like that. And don't stop moving. I mean, that when they're in that disco and they're all dancing together, I mean, the song is a banger. It's still a banger today, and I'll fight it anyone is. who disagrees. <laughs> it holds up a lot better than some of their other music, for sure. Oh, oh, my God. And then, so I was like, oh, my God, I love this. And then when I went next door, and like he had it, and I was like, we are playing this right now. And it was like <laughs> va- variations of don't stop moving as well, like the yeah. extra tracks. And I was just mm-hmm. like, this is genius. But, like, it's so funny that, like, you know, I just my friend now who's a full on metal head, like listens to the heaviest music and still has this single because he just loves the song. But um but I remember like you might remember as well, Jesse, when I used to make like VHS like compilation tapes myself where like I'd put Absolutely. it in. Absolutely. Yep, you'd record the music video and then you'd press pause and then you'd look for another one. Oh, it's on another channel, hit record, and you'd have like this compilation of music videos. Don't yes. stop moving was on mine and oh I used to watch it so much. It was so good. <laughs> oh that is so sweet i love that i yeah in in the cassette tape whenever you would record the radio as well i did that a yes. lot as a child mm-hmm. and um i remember i <laughs> you're making me relive some of these things i remember <laughs> um because of like now the compilation cds i wanted to have my own you know i wanted to like to to form my own thing and so i had bomb hits right and um like that's the bomb you know and so um i would make my bomb hits compilation tapes and if i ever found them again i'm sure they're buried somewhere in like the deep recesses of my parents home if i ever found (laughs) them again i would love to hear like the terrible quality and like me like 
chopping like part of a song off to try and record it. I bet it would be a really fun experience for me to revisit. You know, it's so funny you say that because it was only recently I found some of my compilation CDs that I made. So this was like kind of early 2000s, kind of I was moving into my like moving kind of on from my pop era more into like my rock era. So I had stuff like Evanescence on there, Linkin Park mm -hmm. on there and like all of that type of music. And oh my God, I played it and like it still plays a little bit jumpy in places, but I played it and I was like, man, this CD is the shit. Like I'd buy this CD right now. <laughs> like honestly, it was my jam. <laughs> Yeah, I have a I have a bunch of those. Uh, until my current car that I have now, um, I had a CD player in in I would listen I would still listen to CDs even though I had you know streaming services. I would still listen to CDs, especially mm -hmm. the compilation CDs that I would make um, from all of the pirated music that I <laughs> stole. Sorry, but it was FBI. like Evanescence underscore my immortal dot MP3. <laughs> <laughs> or whenever they would have like the wrong song title and wrong artist. And mm. it would you would think that it was them for a really long time. And then you realize, <laughs> you know, 10 years later that, oh, my God, they don't even sing that. I know, right? Uh, but in your mind, you've registered that that is them. <laughs> forever. I remember mm. telling people like uh, a big thing on like, LimeWire and some of the others was that yes. that song Bitch by Meredith Brooks was by Alanis Morissette. Um, that just seemed to be a prevailing thing every time I would be like searching for things. Um, I, I love like a 90s woman with a guitar or a piano. And so um, I would be searching that music a lot and I'd be like, this is not Alanis Morissette. And I'm pissed <laughs> and it would really bother me. Um, but, you know, I couldn't do anything about it. But I would never download that one intentionally without finding the proper title by on principle because I had <laughs> morals and ethics while I was stealing music. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, okay. So, you know, going back to S Club, um, they're really, they, they were a victim of circumstance here too. Uh, in terms of what happened for them. So just to kind of chronicle, and I, and I talked about this with Spice Girls too, they had such a short window of time with so much fame. Obviously, mm -hmm. it wasn't to the level of Spice Girls, but it was still really impactful, I mean, particularly in the UK. And so they, I mean, the, the time between their album releases, they released their first album in late 1999, and then their last album in early or late 2002. So we have an album every year for four straight years. Um, you know, like I said, the first three albums were massively successful. The last one, not as much, but I mean, that happens. And um, they were exhausted. They didn't even tour until um, like their third album because mm. they didn't have the ability to. So, you know, in reading up in preparation for this episode, I was really trying to get an idea of what their schedule was like. So they would record an album they would um fly over to the united states for months out of the year and they would film the show and then they would do press tour for both of those things for the album and the show they would do like one-off performances of course like children in need or um you know other other big uh performances for exposure for them and then they would have to start the cycle again they didn't have time to tour so they didn't have their first headlining tour until like the sunshine don't stop moving era, which is I'm sure was really fun to see. And, um, and then it was like really the beginning of the end uh, very quickly. And, um, you know, do you know anyone who saw an S club seven performance or concert or anything? Because they, there just weren't that many of them. No. So not at the time, but when they did a reunion, 
which I believe was 2014. I know mm-hmm. a couple of people who went to see that. And I mean, again, that's for nostalgia, right? But a lot of bands have done that, like from the UK, where they've done tours, where they've come back together for like one last tour. I mean, the Spice mm-hmm. Girls did one, not all of them, but you know, yeah. um, and came back and did it. And yeah, I know a couple of people that went and they actually said, Adam, I was emotional. I came out of there crying and I'm not ashamed. I love that. I mean, that would that would be me. I think something 100%. that I've been I've been doing too in adulthood is uh, seeing um, artists or bands that I never got to see when I was younger. Whenever they mm. like come back and do a tour, so I I, I absolutely get that. Um, but speaking of reunions, let's kind of talk about the the end for them, and then reunions, and and then some things that have happened post S Club mm. Seven um yeah <laughs> this is where we're about <laughs> to get juicy okay so um in true pop group fashion a member leaves so we have paul announced that he's leaving um right before the sort of like final era that they have um the seeing double era which was um if you're not familiar seeing double was a movie um that they they released they had a feature film um so they've been doing the tv show for years and they were they wanted to do a feature film um, I don't even remember if seeing double aired in the US. So that's why I really I needed to tell people about that for sure. Um, I've only seen clips of it. I haven't even seen the full thing. But um, Paul was not part of that. Uh, mm. So he leaves. And the reason Paul leaves is because he wanted to sing new metal music. Um, which came out of left field, but that was his background. So he had a band when he was in school and he actually rejoins that band and um, they were up for like contract renewal. And he was the only one that didn't renew his contract with um, Simon Fuller. So he goes, mm-hmm. he leaves to sing um, new metal. What's really cool is that um, they actually like addressed it in the show. He didn't just disappear and they didn't, you know, um, like make up some storyline. Of course, his, leaving was um you know sensationalized a little bit it was fictional but they actually like had him address it and like be a part of the narrative even if it was fictional which i thought was actually really smart and really cool but of course that ignited rumors of uh them breaking up and then we saw them ultimately you know break up so uh do you remember i mean just like culturally when paul announced that he was leaving and there was like all of this press coverage and everything you know do you remember some of the press coverage of that? Was that a big deal for people in the UK? Oh my God. Like, Jesse, it like covered the front page of like stuff like the sun and like the daily star, like the newspapers wow. were covered with that. And you, Oh my God. It was like when we had, cause there was like a string of it and it was all kind of around this time when we started to have bands that were like splitting up. I mean, the Spice Girls obviously will always dominate that type of narrative, right? Yeah. Because hello, it's the Spice Girls. Um, but like, yes, like I remember you know, when stuff like the certain bands, which I'll test you on later on, but when okay. they split up as well, like going into like school or going into like college and like there was that feeling. It was almost like <laughs> in the UK when Brexit happened, there was like a feeling in the air of like something doesn't feel right. And like you could just tell. But in that time as well, like kind of, you know, early two th- late 90s, early 2000s, like around that era, it was the same thing. Like I remember going into like into as i say college into school and like people were depressed like genuinely like and when some of the boy bands split up like some of the girls were like crying in the playground like it was that bad and then yeah the the, the press coverage oh my god like you know you'd have like headline news and then you'd always have oh and by the way like this is the latest from s club seven this is the latest from like other bands that have like split up this members left the band 
And that person was always like kind of segregated and told, you know, like, oh, they're the reason why they like, you know, like Jerry received a lot of it as well. Right. Yeah. Um, and like Paul started to receive a lot of it as well. And as you say, like, it was just something different where he wanted to try something else. But yeah, the, the, the news outlets went wild with stuff like this, like the tabloids, they ate that stuff up. It was like, it wasn't just like a little article. It was like front page news. Yeah. Interesting. I, mm. I, it's hard for me to know what the cultural impact of that was. You know, for me, it was a big deal because I, I didn't really have an emotional attachment to Paul because he doesn't, he wasn't like a standout member, but of course, like mm. any of them leaving would have been devastating for a child who's very invested in them and would have dreams about them. Yes. Right. I had dreams about S seven as a child <laughs> that I remember um, one in particular where they were all in their little convertible and they pulled up to my house and they invited <laughs> me to go with them. And I was very emotional that I got the invite anyway. That's just like, that's just queer kid allegory, but we don't have to get into that. Um, mm. And yeah, that, that, um, that signals something though, you know, in, in a group. And so of course the speculation I think was really warranted. Um, so they're, they're moving into their sort of final era. They're going to release this seeing double movie. Of course, Paul's not a part of it. Um, this is when Joe hurts her back as well and finds out that she has a, a pretty big injury and she can't really like do the dancing and some of the physical components of being in the group. Um, that's really reflected in seeing double. And so um, often in that film, whenever there uh, were going to be like dance numbers and, and performance scenes, she would have a sort of like side narrative where she was like kind of around, but, or she, she you know, she had something else. Like she was the, um, the agent kind of like going around and fighting the bad guys or something um, without mm. actually fighting. And it was like a wink hint, like, Oh, I just beat up these three guys or whatever. Um, while the <laughs> other five are like, <laughs> like dancing really hard and she's just kind of like walking around um and you know they're not known for their dancing anyway um it's it wasn't it was very hokey it was very cheesy um oh, yeah. dancing very simple numbers uh so you know she probably could have done it but um i understand <laughs> um my favorite thing about their dancing is that they would kind of like make john do a dance monkey dance thing uh, they, he would have like one little trick like a flip or something like that because yeah, all was, the splits Yes, yes, because yep. he was very flexible and, and athletic in that way, which just yeah. sent me over the edge watching him like flip around. <laughs> my little like horny child meter was like, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> oh my god, my uh, my meter was always for Paul and Bradley. I just thought they were so fucking hot. Like as a young closeted kid as well, watching them, I was like, who the hell are those guys? Like even in the natural video, when like they're dancing on the beach, and there's a scene when them two in particular like under the waterfall like without their shirts on and that was a spiritual awakening for me they i was like so sexy in that video oh my god like can we just and there's like a moment when like you know like john's like dancing like kind of by himself and there's like a gap and then them two are dancing together and i was just like give me more of that please like, like kiss. I... <laughs> yes. yeah kiss under the waterfall <laughs> <laughs> but it was just i mean that music video is very very sexy for those reasons but yeah like um they were always like my like secret crushes when I was kids. I was like, ooh, like Bradley and Paul. Can we just have more of a narrative about them, please? I love that. Start writing fan fiction about them. <laughs> On fanfic.net. Just write it <laughs> <Yeah>. all. <laughs> right next to all the Harry Potter fanfic that was dominating at that time for sure. <laughs> oh my God. Um, whew. So, okay. I, I want to talk about their, um, you know, 
their reunions and where mm. they are now and then and, and your quiz and everything before we get into all of that i have to know sure. like what are your top few like s club songs whether they're singles or album cuts or whatever you know like what are the ones that really stick out in your mind or that even if you don't revisit like you would revisit okay so i have four okay that and it's really interesting as well <laughs> and it's really interesting as well because like in gay clubs in the uk like s club seven are always played like oh, i'm so jealous like, oh literally, my god it's always at least one of these four songs that i'm gonna say and whenever okay. they come on it's like every everybody like sings every i'm not even exaggerating like people put their drinks down and sing along or like do the dance routines or like reach and stuff like that it's just it's a it's always a moment like when a drag queen like dj and puts that on it's the moment but um yeah so like obviously s club party like you know i remember the first time i ever saw that music video and i was like who are these like it's just fun like they all have that little introduction tina's doing her thing like mm. i just love i eat all of that up I, i'm finding it so hard not to sing these songs as i mentioned them i know um, i know so, yeah i know right so like s club party bring it all back is like that for me, like, I remember, like, where I was when I heard that. I remember school discos when that was played. Like, I just, that takes me right back to a very specific point in my life. Mm -hmm. Like, Escal Party, bring it all back. Like, yes. And then Reach. I remember when Reach first, like, after they'd been gone for a little bit of time, then Reach came back. And the music video was fun. Like, it's elevated. It has a nice build in the song, like, leading up to, like, the, the chorus. Like, all of the hands going up in the air. That's what I was talking about with, like, the gay clubs. When that's played, everybody does that. It's a little bit like when the song Tragedy by Steps is played, like, their version of it, and everyone does the dance routine from that. It's the same type of thing. And then, finally, it's obviously Don't Stop Moving. Like, that, for me, I think will always be my favorite S Club 7 song because, as you said, they pivoted into this disco era as well. Like, Love Ain't Gonna Wait For You, like that. It's the same type of thing. It's that disco era. And watching them dance in that, that music video, by the way, it's like, it's incredible. Like, them, like, dancing together, like, the, the colors, like, what they're wearing. What Tina's wearing, I fucking love, by the way. Those knee-high boots and the skirt, like, she looks incredible. Tina like, was always a little like kind of getting getting it adult with her with herself you know for for a children's group i was about it obviously <laughs> i mean she was like oh tina i loved looked so beautiful as well but yeah don't stop moving as i said like when i shared the anecdote like earlier on about my friend but it's just like the song and when that comes on as well on a night out like i'm just away i know and these are songs as well like they stick in your mind because you know every single lyric whether you wanted mm -hmm. to learn the lyrics or not, because they're so ingrained in pop culture, because you used to see them all the time and hear them. Like, I don't care what anyone says. Like, people can be like, oh, you know, like, you know, I never listened to S Club 7, whatever. But you put an S Club 7 song on one of those four, they know the lyrics because they mm -hmm. stick in your mind. They're fun. And yeah, Don't Stop Moving is just, for me, their anthem. But yeah, those four, I'd say yeah okay so we're we're definitely in line about don't stop moving like i told you i like they're more like deep house um yeah. i love alive and mm. um, who do you think you are yeah um but you know the other like really big standout for me is naturally because mm -hmm. it was like sexier and they were a little more r&b with that yeah um there's also an album track from seven called all in love is fair which isn't a good song but i love it um and <laughs> i think it was just like as a as a child it was 
um little, like it was really interesting to me and so it just like it stuck but yeah right. I, I can't imagine like being at a club and seeing a drag queen like do a performance to Don't Stop Moving. I would probably like I would probably explode. I don't think I would know what to do. <laughs> Just it's <laughs> like it's honestly like it's almost kind of like expected weirdly like in certain like especially when they do like you know they're playing like songs of nostalgia anyway from that era so i mean of course you see like drag queens do num like britney spears numbers and everything like that i like when they do all the britney spears as well like um like even if, like if they do something to lucky or something like that like mm -hmm. i'm all about that um but yeah like it's almost kind of expected when they start playing the classic tunes stuff like as i said steps atomic kitten sugar babes like mm -hmm. S Club are always there. But even if they're not like performing a number, even if just like there's a DJ on in a gay club and that song comes on or like an S Club song comes on, as I said, everybody goes wild because everybody knows it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so great. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So um, S Club 7, of course, breaks up. And then um, they've had a few different reunion attempts. We talked about the 2014 one. Um, mm -hmm. And then also they uh, had this moment where it was uh, Joe and uh, Tina and Bradley for a while, and they mm -hmm. were doing like an S Club 3 thing. Yeah. Um, those performances were kind of tough to watch. Uh, they were very like grassroots, homegrown. Um, and Tina was like, I guess, the choreographer. It was, it's not, um, it's not <laughs> yeah. the best. It's fun to watch if you're drinking with your friends. I'm going to say that um right. we've turned we've turned some of their performances on from that era in uh on during like a pre-game my friends here in dallas and nice. we'll, we'll, we'll watch <laughs> them um you know it, it happens um mm -hmm. but uh yeah so so they have these sort of reunion attempts but i really want to talk about them as individuals just you know where they're all from um mm -hmm. a little bit about who they are and then what they've done since so uh let's start with tina Mm -hmm. So she is from Hammersmith. Yeah. And uh, that's an easy one. That's why I started with that one. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, she hasn't had a lot of success as a soloist. Um, you know, she really had to lean back into the um, S Club at all. But the really interesting fact about Tina, so like, really there's not a lot to report on her. The really interesting fact about Tina is that she was in the original, original lineup of Mystique. And, um, yeah, so she never, um, never actually released any music with them. She was a wow. part of the first iteration of Mystique. They were called something different at the time, but she was a part mm. of the first iteration of Mystique. And then she got the S Club gig and then left. And then Mystique um, changed their lineup. And then they wound up becoming Mystique and releasing music. And they had one hit in the, in the U.S., Scandalous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so wow. that i that i think is super interesting i love when people group hop i really do <laughs> and, and you must know then you must know alicia dixon then right so she for some reason that name sounds familiar to me but i don't know why and i read it whenever i was like putting together notes for this but i didn't look into it okay so like so you know you guys have like america's got talent like we have mm -hmm. britain's got talent she's a judge on that um uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of like that's how obviously Mystique was like massive, but like Scandalous was a huge song, which yeah. I've actually seen her perform live, um, which is wild. But oh. um, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, that's that. I just wonder if you if you if you knew of her because that she kind of came back into the public eye once she became a judge on um, yeah, Britain's Got Talent. Okay, thank you. That that actually adds some important context because sometimes I'll see clips from like 
Australian X Factor, like some of these other um, countries, yeah. and I might have awareness of some of them, but not others. But knowing that a Mystique member, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, <laughs> okay. Um, now we have Paul, and he is from a very uh, difficult looking word. Um, and so I'm just going to go for it. And it looks like, like you would might say, um, Hertfordshire. Nearly. So it's Hertfordshire. So you say heart as in like your own heart. Hertfordshire, yeah. Damn it. Okay, I was close. <laughs> I didn't do Shire, though. I didn't fall into that that trap. Thank okay. you. Yeah, you didn't. Yeah. You were nearly there. It's, it's weird because it's H-E. And so you'd think it would be hurt. But yeah, it's heart. Hertfordshire. Okay, okay. So Hertfordshire. Okay. You got um, it. So Paul has really, I think, had the saddest sort of go at it. Um so I found um, quotes from, uh, so we, like I said, he left to do his new me- new metal band. Um, they didn't find success really. Um, he really just, it's kind of been sad. Um, he did Rocky Horror for a while. He was uh, touring with them and that was great. And then he had an unfortunate accident and he got hurt because a dancer fell on top of him and he injured his back during Jesus. rehearsal. So he was not able to continue touring with them, which probably would have been like really good stable income and probably opened more doors for him. Right. Mm. So um, just just a couple of quotes um, from he did an interview with Loose Women. Loose Women's a big deal. Um, And, you know, I I know Loose Women just because of American stars who will go to the UK and they will, you know, they'll they'll be on Loose Women. Um, So, you know, what is your relationship to Loose Women? Or could you just even like talk about it a little bit for people who don't have context quickly? So like it's our version of the view right so it's like all women on the panel and like i mean loose women is huge in the uk right it's like they've had like different lineups as like people have gone on and like certain presenters on loose women have done like other morning tv shows and such like that but it's always like a powerhouse of people that are on there um from different like big like big like media outlets or like big pop culture things like and yeah it's just you know like women on it like if you watch the view it's basically exactly the same women on a panel like sitting down and they'll always have a guest on who they interview and like there's been various guests but i mean loose women is like prime time television where like after the morning shows have been on like the news shows and everything like that loose women's normally on and it's always been one of those shows where you know people have just had it on because it's naturally come on Mm -hmm. after um and it's not like a talk show say something like like ellen or something like that it is literally like that panel where it's four women and they address a lot of things sometimes they talk about men sometimes they talk about political issues sometimes they talk about socio-political issues but then sometimes it's just pop culture moments or like they'll have a guest on and they'll just say like oh tell me about your new album or they're going to perform a song for us now and people that have been reality tv stars have show like have been stars from reality tv have then become people on the panel of loose women as well so uh, yeah it's just like it's a staple of like you know british tv culture loose women everybody's seen at least one episode and rightfully so yeah yeah, I mean, every clip that I've ever watched of it, I've loved it. And I think, too, yeah. because it really, um, I think, exemplifies British humor as well. Right. The, yeah. the sort of cheekiness of it. Um, but to get back to the somber <laughs> um, thing that I was about to talk about. Um, so yeah. Paul went on Loose Women in 2018. He talked about the Rocky Horror thing that had happened to him. Um, he also said that he works odd jobs to make ends meet. And he... Um, he regular he found later on regular work as a station manager for a like radio station um in swanage mm-hmm. uh, yeah. i don't know that uh, if that's just like a smaller city or something um, it's a really small part yeah okay so he um 
he said that he had tried to participate in some of the, um, you know, celebrity things that you do if you've kind of fallen off, like to be on Big Brother or Strictly Come mm-hmm. Dancing, which is like Dancing with the Stars esque. Um, uh, but he never really was able to do that. Um, and then now he is uh, doing like online tarot card readings as of 2022. Um, he talked about how like deep the financial burden was for him he filed bankruptcy in 2014 um, and in 2018 when he was on loose women it was so bad that he actually had to borrow a shirt from the producers of loose women to even make the appearance mm. so he has had a rough go of it um and i i feel really bad for him even whenever they did you know the the reunion of all of them um he was just kind of getting shit from the media because of his weight and yeah. you know like his kind of like lost it lost the little swag that he had as a performer so he's probably had the roughest go for sure right yeah, yeah. it's a shame he was on um he was on a reality tv show as well and i remember i didn't even know he was going to be on it and then i literally i was visiting my parents and i walked in the room and like my brother was there as well it was something something about like when people go on they have like like dinner or something together it was like almost like come dine with me but i don't think it was that but anyway and then he was a contestant on it and like i didn't recognize him at all and it was my brother that was like adam do you know that's paul from like s club seven i was like what i I, like blew me away i never thought i'd see him on there it was was wild how different he looked yeah well we are sending good energy to to paul So he can, um, you know, hopefully get back on his feet and and figure Mm -hmm. out his stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, moving on to John. John's from Devon, so that's easy. Um, You got it. Yes, John's from Devon, that's easy. Um, But (laughs) he had a history of theater before S Club, and obviously he's very athletic and and has a lot of tricks up his sleeves. Um, He's done several shows on the West End, and he has, you know, done other acting things and, you know, like celebrity appearance things. But he has seemed to have really stable work. Um, And also, he's pretty private. He doesn't really have like a social media presence too much. Um, You know, he came out in 2010 publicly, but he said he'd been out for years to close friends and family. So I imagine everybody in S Club knew and it wasn't a big deal. And um, really appreciate that because, you know, with seven different people from different parts of the country that might skew more conservative or or liberal ideologically, as we would say in the States, you know, he it seemed like he didn't have any issues with that in regards to his career or he just didn't want to encounter any of those and so he didn't come out publicly until years later but i mean he's pretty stable um he has he's been doing things so good for him good for him um okay now we move on to bradley bradley also Mm. has kind of a sad sort of um you know trajectory after s club seven he he's from london so that's easy um (laughs) and uh he tried to get a record deal um after s club but no one would sign him and so then i want to ask you if you know about this he participated in some reality show with a bunch of um ex-boy band Mm. members and they kind of formed a super group and it didn't go anywhere so did you know about this show and can you talk a little bit about it yeah i mean it was exactly that so it was a reality show when they took like ex-members of like other bands and basically put them to like together as like a super group i mean there was members of like you know there was members of a, a boy band called blue uh i think lee from steps was part of it as well um and basically they just 
try to put them together and kind of see if like they could re-grab the essence of creating a boy band again. Um, and it was interesting. I saw some episodes because like, again, like Leaf from Steps was like, oh, he was like, I, I idolized him and I thought he was beautiful. So I watched anything he was in. And, <laughs> but then he like dropped out later on because they thought his vocals weren't as good. So like, there was a little bit of drama in there as well. But um, yeah, it just, it flopped, man. Like it majorly flopped when, you know, the reality show was you followed, like it, was, it wasn't like a full season. It was like maybe five, six episodes of them, like, you know, auditioning for like these ex-members, putting the super group together, trying to write a song. And it was quite interesting to just see how the egos clashed and how like, you know, they tried to come together in the writing process to get music down and everything like that. And they all just... There was too many ideas. I think they were all coming at it from different angles and they all wanted different things. And it kind of inevitably wasn't going to work. And then when they released a track, and I remember when a track actually came out, it bombed Jesse. Like seriously bombed. Um it was kind of kind of a, I know, it was kind of a shame as well, because there were some nice guys as well in the group, but yeah, Bradley being one of them. But uh yeah, it kind of just bombed, and then that was it. They kind of just vanished. Gosh, that is Depressing. i didn't mean for this to be like such a sad episode <laughs> um no no we're gonna we're gonna have a couple more like sad things and then we're gonna end on a high note in terms of the members okay but um <laughs> this was this is going i mean next we have to talk about joe yeah so um joe was a part of controversy in s club and out of s club the the mm-hmm. like really lame controversy was back in 2001 um a few of them got caught with weed basically yeah. and they like lost an endorsement deal and it was kind of a big deal um for a moment but it didn't make too much of a splash uh in terms of like affecting their reputation it was news for a while from what i can tell um so she was part of that um now uh, originally before s club what's interesting about joe is that she was already breaking into the music industry are you familiar with a girl group called solid harmony no Okay, so she was a part of some girl group called Solid Harmony, and it's spelled very weirdly. It was like um, H-R-M-O-N-I and then like a capital E. Um, (laughs) So lame. Um, But she actually, in the late 90s, had flown to Sweden to work with Max Martin. Um, And nothing ever materialized of that in terms of releasing something commercially. But of course, working with Max Martin is huge. And Mm -hmm. so I mean, maybe not as much than in the late 90s, because he was still like he hadn't had the Britney factor yet. But um, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's a big deal, because Robin was already out on the scene. And so he was making his mark. And, um, you know, from that, I think is whenever she was asked, as I mentioned, to, um, to sign or to audition for S Club. Now, um, following S Club 7, she actually signed, I think she was the only soloist to sign with Simon Fuller initially as her um, artist manager. And then just because of musical direction and uh, contract negotiations, she wound up dropping with him. Um, Mm. Simon went on record to say that she was going to be the next Christina Aguilera. Um, and <laughs> they gave her, I know they gave her, uh, music and she didn't like it. And she wanted to write all of her own stuff and they didn't want her to. So of course that kind of breakdown thing happened. Now, what I want to ask you about is, um, in 2007, she was a part mm. of a massive scandal yes. when she made an appearance on celebrity big brother. So if you wouldn't mind just kind of talking about that what happened and the Mm -hmm. impact of that as well 
So I just want to start by saying this was huge and I can't like, I can't sell that enough. Like this took over tabloids when this happened. So yeah, Joe went into Celebrity Big Brother and she was in there. There was a few people in there, um, but prominently the people that the story revolves around is, so there's Joe, there's Danielle Lloyd, who was like a TV kind of personality. Um, and then you had Jade Goody as well, who Jade was kind of known as well for being a TV personality because she was in an original version of Big Brother as well prior to this version. Um, and then there is Shilpa Shetty, who is a Bollywood actress, um, had like at this point had like a 15 year career, like acting in like Bollywood movies. And it's like a really big deal. Beautiful woman as well. And she was in there. Now, the story kind of the controversy revolves around these four women. So <clears throat> there were instances where it was, in a nutshell, bullying. That's what it was. And you can watch the clips back on YouTube. You can make up your mind for yourself, but it is bullying. And they single her out. So Joe, Danielle, and Jade, they kind of come together as friendly. They get on. And they start to kind of single out Shilpa. And it's really, really upset. And it's really hard to watch. Because Shilpa, when you, if you kind of go back and watch the clips as well, she's just a really sweet, really lovely, really warm, bubbly woman. Uh, wants to get on with everyone. And there's clear moments of when things were said which are not right. There were things that happened which are just disgusting. For example, there was an incident of when she was preparing chicken. So she was preparing chicken, like a dish for the rest of the house. She was making this for the rest of the house. And obviously this was an Indian dish. It was different the way that the chicken was prepared compared to the say the way like Joe or Danielle had ever had before. And then Danielle had made a comment saying about the chicken didn't taste very nice. Um, and it was different. And then Joe said... Uh, it was it was something along the lines of, oh, is that why all Indians are so skinny because they're always being sick? And oh. then, yeah. And then Danielle kind of laughed it off as well. And that's the thing. They always undercut things by laughing. And it was never like a serious type of conversation. They always laughed. And then Danielle was like, oh, yes, like with the whole like fingers and the food and everything. I'm not a big fan of that. And Danielle was really harsh. She was the one that was just name calling behind her back. And then Jade kind of comes in as well. And there's an incident with OXO cubes, which if you're not sure what they are, they're a little bit like cubes that you you put into hot water and you stir them. They're like granules of gravy. You stir them and it forms gravy. That's what OXO okay. cubes are. Um, and she's talking about that Shilpa was saying something like those were the only things that she ate. And she was kind of pushing at Shilpa and she was arguing with Shilpa, saying, calling her a liar, saying that she was a fake, she was a phony, kept calling her a liar all the time. But it got heated to the point where she was like screaming at her. And then Shilpa kind of came and tried to talk to Jade. And then the other two girls were just laughing. And it was like three of them ganging up on her and they were just laughing at Shilpa. And then even Shilpa at one point turns to Joe for reassurance and says, Joe, are you not going to weigh in here? Because Joe and Shilpa had had a conversation earlier and Joe just laughed. And nothing Oof. else. And then there was a scene in the bathroom when Shilpa was in the shower. The three girls were in the bathroom. Um, she asked Joe, can you pass me my towel? Joe imitated her accent. And then I think it was Danielle picked up a towel from the floor, gave it to Joe, who then passed it to Shilpa. So passed her a dirty towel to dry herself with. And Shilpa even said thank you because she didn't know. And oh then God. the cherry on top of the cake was that Jade started calling her behind her back, um, Shilpa Popper Dom. And Jade kind of goes on 
record saying like, oh, you know, it was a flippant comment. I never meant any racist undertones to saying that. There were but overtones there, babes. You were swimming in it. You were swimming yeah. in that. And then it got so bad that when Jade obviously left the Big Brother house, I don't know if you've seen this, Jesse, but obviously Big Brother, you know, like people leave the house. There's a live audience there. Yeah. Um, it's Davina McCall who is the, she was the television host. She hosted a lot of Big Brother through the years. It's not now, but yeah. she was at the time. Yeah. And the when Jade left the house, and this has never happened before, it was only Davina and the camera crew that was there. No audience was there. And Jade was kind of like, oh, and because the backlash that she and the other girls got from the general public, the UK public, of them being labelled racists, they couldn't allow for an audience for her own safety. So it was Davina took her hand, led her down into the studio. And when she went into like the studio, after you know, there's like an afterwards like talk in a studio with like, yeah, she was booed. Like I've never heard booing like that before and rightfully so. And Davina even pushes her on that and like, she said, and like Jade tries to backtrack and defend herself and say, oh, well, you know, like, you know, I, I never meant it with racist undertones, blah, 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 blah. And she keeps saying it. And even members of the audience are shouting out, stop saying that. You know, it got really heated. But then Joe was swept up in that because it was the three of them together. And what's really interesting after this is that obviously Joe's career was ruined, ruined. This was all over newspapers. Like this was like, this was hot news. And then Joe, we had a um, GMTV that was like a main like morning news channel. It was like good morning television. Um, she didn't appear on there, but one of the hosts went to her house and they did a recorded interview, which was then shown on GMTV. And she's like, literally like Joe's like rocking backwards and forwards. She's like crying. She's talking about how she's like a broken woman because of it. And what's interesting is that she never, this is just me personally, but like there's never an ounce of an apology. Yeah. Like she's talking about how she's become victim of the way that people have turned on her. But I never hear her apologize. There's no ounce of that. And I mean, I know we're in an era now, Jesse, of where celebrities like, you know, go on Instagram and do like a notes and apology and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But even something like that would have been better than turning almost the victim, kind of her becoming the victim and turning yeah. the narrative in that way. But yeah, that ruined Joe's career. And I think even now there's still backlash where things are still said. Um, even like that, when you watch that, 2014 performance the reunion there um you can see she's like powering through it but the reality is there's still probably that nerves if, if somebody says anything and we were talking about s club three earlier there was an incident when she was performing and there was a bottle thrown at her head and it actually cut her head for that and the kind of underlining of all of this and one of the greatest moments of this is that shil Pachetti went on to win celebrity big brother and that was incredible. And I love that people got behind her and allowed her to win. That was phenomenal. I was so pleased that she won. Yeah. Well, thank you for providing all of that context. Um, you know, I've done one uh, episode uh, about Big Brother because uh, Lindsay Lohan's mom was on it. And right. so, you know, that I'd never actually watched Big Brother before doing this podcast. And so I've learned about how, um, you know, living in that house, it becomes the sort of microcosm of society, right? So you do bring in your the racism and the bias and everything. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes things can get really heated between people. But the difference here really is, is this wasn't game strategy. This wasn't them forming an alliance so that they could single out someone who might be a threat to them in terms yeah. of the game. This was truly just them being overtly racist. Um, mm -hmm. 
so yeah i i it's it's not necessarily shocking um not because of anything that joe had done in the past but it's not shocking that of course there's going to be someone super problematic from a group of seven celebrities right, right. um but the fact that it was such huge news, um, I remember uh, it definitely, it was covered in America, of course, not to the extent, but um, there was some sort of coverage of it. I didn't really become aware of it until later on in life, but I know that, you know, it was uh, some form of topic of conversation in the media. Um, but it, it is really funny to me. I mean, there are a lot of parallels with, um, you know, how, specifically like white people in the UK and white people in the States, um, you know, perpetuate racism, um, you know, against certain groups of people. And it's funny that out of all of some of the things that have occurred in the UK with celebrities and public figures that um, Joe got so much backlash, it's not that Mm. it was undeserved, uh, but it seems like, it was just who they felt like which racist they felt like attacking at the moment. You know what Mm, I mean? When we've seen so many people in the United States and in the UK who are massive celebrities say problematic things and they kind of get the, the buy, you know Uh, Mm. I think that was just kind of like the most fascinating, you know, um, like sociological aspect of it. Absolutely. She deserved to be deplatformed and to get backlash of course, but uh, it was funny that it happened to to Joe and not, you know, several other examples that I could name off the top of my head. But that's just kind of my that's neither here nor there. Just the thought that I had about it. Mm, but, yeah, I think like out of the three of them as well, like Joe was arguably like the biggest star out of like the three girls. Mm-hmm. And then um, I mean, I don't know if you know, but like Jade Goody actually went on to then star where well, she entered um, Big Brother in India. And that was her kind of like re coming back round and apologizing. Obviously, if anyone knows about Jade Goody, obviously, you know, she passed away with cancer mm-hmm. um, and had to leave the Big Brother house because of that. But yeah. yeah, I think because out of the three of them, arguably, Joe had the biggest career at that point. And I guess a lot of the media was focused on that as well. But yeah, it was it was shitty, shitty behavior. And she had the repercussions because of it. Yeah. Well, moving along, yeah. let's talk about <laughs> Hannah. Yes. So um, Hannah, just absolute cutie of a Mm -hmm. human, um, kind of precious. She recently did an interview where they were um, asking her, you know, about S Club Party. They're like, have you ever, like, about um, just kind of like joking around about the title of the song, like, you know, how good is an S Club Party? Um, Is it the (laughs) best party you've ever been to? And she said, we didn't really party that much. She was like, and I can't, she was basically like, I can't say that an S club party would be more fun than some of the other partying that I've done. And <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Um, so she went on to not really pursue music, but she did some acting. Um, so she was in a series called primeval. Yes. Okay. So that I think was kind of a big deal. Uh, also, she's from uh, Norfolk. Norfolk. Well done. That's okay. spot on. Yeah. Nice one. That uh, was another, that <laughs> was another like not super challenging one, but I just wanted to say it correctly because you, you know, with us. You would say like Norfolk. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's like the yeah. pronunciation of the L. But yeah, Norfolk. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So um, is Primeval a big deal? And, and you know, what is ITV compared to some of the other networks in terms of like ranking and viewership? Because I get yeah. all of the British networks confused. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, Primeval, like it wasn't huge. Like, let's be honest. It's not on now. But, um, you know, it was quite 
nice at the time to see somebody like from you know like a band like go into acting like that that was kind of like oh okay this is this is cool um but yeah so you've got like the major tv networks i guess you've got in the uk you've got so bbc one and bbc two everybody kind of knows bbc right and then you've got itv so that's like another one where you'd have like a lot of like you know it's like game show tv there's like reality tv shows um appear on itv like or like for example you would have um like you know like talent shows so stuff like you know the x factor and stuff like that all of that would be like on itv uh, and then later on, like, ITV started, they went for a phase where they were buying out shows. So like stuff like The Voice left BBC and ended up on ITV. So stuff like that would happen. Got it. Um, yeah, so it was a lot of stuff like that. And then you'd have Channel 4. And that's where Big Brother was shown for a long time. Channel 4 was Big Brother. Um, so like they dominated Big Brother for many years. But also Channel 4 had their own stuff. Um, kind of very similar to, we have a channel called E4. Um, and that shows a lot of American TV shows, a lot of stuff like, you know, American sitcom stuff like, you know, Buffer the Vampire Slayer, stuff like that, uh, would appear okay. on Channel 4 as well. Um, and they would show a lot of films as well. That's quite interesting. And then the other major one is Channel 5. So Channel 5, they that's where Big Brother ended up. So Big Brother ended up on there. And they started to buy like a couple of shows as well. A lot of films are shown on Channel 5 as well. It's like a big film network. Um, and then they had like kind of the watershed of where there was like softcore porn, but, like that was shown yes. after a certain time, which yeah. is quite funny. Like so I, those, yeah. I know that's it. So I remember like some of those movies where it was like softcore porn on channel five after 10 PM. And I was like, let's just see what's going on. But, um, but yeah, so those are kind of like your major ones. Anyway, you can obviously go into more stuff. Like when sky came on the scene, like sky one was a big one, like different things like that. But yeah, primeval. Yeah. It wasn't like. You know, it wasn't something like Game of Thrones. Like, it didn't dominate TV, but it was fun. Yeah. It was, like, it was for kids. It involved, like, dinosaurs and everything like that. But, like, the effects, if you go back now, watch it, are very kind of risky. Um, but it was kind of very much like a BBC-type show. Or, like, it was of that type of era, but just with less of a budget than BBC. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's fun. <laughs> um, she has a couple of kids now. Um, she actually recently did an interview. Now, um, she's talking about something that happened with um, her living situation. I don't necessarily think it was about financial, um, you know, hardships. I think it was because she had a, a, a kind of like a landlord discrimination thing that happened. But basically what she said was, um, she and her family were, um, homeless over the Christmas period and their landlord basically gave them two days notice to find a new place to stay. She didn't indicate why or necessarily what was going on from what I read. Um, but she said, you know, they got screwed because they had to find another place. Um, they had somewhere to stay over Christmas, um, but they ran out of time before they mm. could uh, move in. And so there were just a couple of weeks where they were in limbo and they were staying with a friend for a while. So right. very interesting um, what happened. But, you know, thinking about like someone who was such a massive celebrity having a landlord and not like owning their home. I mean, you know, it yeah. makes me usually think, okay, so maybe she's, you know, Maybe she's just not in a place financially to to be able to um, be uh, comfortable from, you know, any of the money that she had made. Um, right. So it just makes me wonder how much money they actually made. Um, I know that back in the day, whenever uh, they were kind of nearing the end of their time with S Club, um, she and her family had gotten some lawyers involved with some money disputes with Simon Fuller, which, of course, usually happens with a lot of exploitation in the industry. So, right. um, you know, I don't know what came of that, but. 
who knows they probably never actually got paid what they should have been yeah yeah we're going to end on a high note here with hot girl rachel um she i I, you know i I would like to she's from london so that's an easy one but uh you know i would say as a soloist she's arguably the most successful um what's people's perceptions of uh rachel as like a solo artist or like as a celebrity in general um over in the uk like what, what do people think about her i mean obviously not so much anything now um but yeah she obviously had the most successful uh, you know like sweet dreams my lax was like a big song in like you know the uk she's i mean she's beautiful and um we had fhm magazine and uh that's a magazine where you know, people are rated like and she was like you know voted like most beautiful woman in the uk like several won it several times it was like number two number three um and she was always like she was never mainstream like big time type pe- just people knew her because she was like linked to s club seven right mm-hmm. Um, but she was, yeah, she was on like, you know, morning TV shows performing. She'd like, you know, like if X Factor or something was on or like another talent show like that, she would come on and maybe perform something like that. I remember when they redid Do They Know It's Christmas, which is like the big charity hit uh, in the UK, which Bob Geldof kind of does. You probably know from, there's a one from like the 80s and then they redid it. And she was like a part of that as well. So, um, yeah, she was never like, as I say, you know, she was never at the heights of like, you know, Britney or Taylor Swift or somebody like that, but she yeah. was like known. You know, and she had music, she had success. Sweet Dreams, her, you know, My LAX is probably the biggest song that she's known for, right? Um, but yeah, like she'd be on stuff like Loose Women where she'd be talking. Um, and I'm guessing you knew about her wedding as well when, you know, none of S Club 7 members were there. Um, yeah. Um, I don't yeah, know which... the the tea there, but I do know that that happened. Is there a reason? Did she talk about that or any of the other ones talk about that? There's, there's no kind of like bitchery or anything. It's just basically that, she just said we've all grown apart like she said like i haven't spoken to any of them in literal years so she was like you know it it just didn't feel like the thing to do and you know what like fair enough like you know if you yes she had this amazing career together but this was like what 20 years ago or something now um and yeah she just said they drifted apart and that's it there was no malice or anything like that just she hadn't heard from them in a long time and that was it yeah um, well, I think really the most interesting thing about her uh, Sweet Dreams, My LAX, is that that song was actually for Britney Spears, and she turned wow. it down, and so Rachel got it. Nice, yeah. I didn't know that. That's interesting. I, I can hear that, actually. I can hear that. You can. It definitely would make sense, especially yeah. because, like... LAX was a play on the airport and, you know, Britney LA. So I, I think that it really would have made sense. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that that was really cool because that was Britney's like in the zone era. Um, and she, you know, she passed and Rachel Stevens got it. Um, there you go. And Rachel's gone on to, you know, have a solo career, of course, but she's also done like a lot of those, you know, typical celebrity, like reality competition things and judging things as well. So, um, Mm. yeah, she, she's doing fine for herself. She's, she doesn't need a landlord, I imagine. (laughs) Um, yeah, so that's where they are as, as soloists. Um, you know, I don't know if they will ever reunite in the future or what, you know, their careers have in store for them. But if you know anything about showbiz, anyone can come back at any moment. So, you know, I really hope, um, not necessarily for Joe, but for any of the rest of them um, who are unproblematic, that maybe they'll find a thing in yeah. the future. Now, Adam, I know that you would like to test some of my knowledge about Mm. who I know or who I don't (laughs) know. So please lay it on me. 
All right. So I'm going to name 10. Um, these are around the time these were big either bands or solo artists. I think there might only be one solo artist. Yeah. Who were massive around this era. And again, like I'll just, I'll list them all out and you can tell me how many of them you either have heard of or you know music by. Okay. okay. So these were like, Around the time that S Club was out, these people as well were like doing the rounds. Okay, so we have we have Boyzone, Take That, Westlife, Five, Robbie Williams, Blue, All Saints, Steps, Sugar Babes, and Atomic Kitten. Okay, okay, okay. Um I actually know most of them. So can nice. we go can we go through them individually and I'll tell you yes or no? Yeah, so let's let's go backwards. Okay, so Atomic Kitten. Yes, so I know Atomic Kitten, and here's why. Yes. Um, they did a cover song. I do not remember the original artist, um, but, you know, the tide is high, but I'm old. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, in the Lizzie McGuire movie, um, Hilary Duff is lip-syncing to that song in the opening scene on her bed, the Atomic nice. Kitten. Nice. So that is, why, that is why I know Atomic Kitten. I thought you were going to say Eternal Flame by the Bangles because they also cover that as well. So. Oh, I did not know that. Nope, I don't I don't go. think that was a thing for me. <laughs> have to check it out. Um, there's a music video and everything. So yeah, oh, okay. uh, next we have the Sugar Babes. Yes, okay, so I know Sugar Babes. I know um, Push the Button. I know Round yeah. Round. I know About You Now. Yes. Um, About You Now was covered by Miranda Cosgrove for the iCarly soundtrack. Oh, interesting. Okay, what a banger. That's my favorite Sugar Babes about, you know, it's a great song. Absolute banger. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I discovered the Sugar Babes because of my um, uh, rhymes with schmaligal, uh schmalmloading of schmusic <laughs> um, back in the day. And I just kind of discovered them because they were like on some of the things that I was searching for. And mm. so I was like, oh, I'll download this, whatever. And I really liked it. So I, yeah, I knew a handful of songs from them. Nice. All right. This next one. So these were like my favorite band of this era. And that is okay. Steps. Yes. So um, I know uh, Better Best Forgotten. Nice. Okay. Um, I know they have an album. Uh, it, it was like, there were two guys in it, right? There were. Yep. And then two or three women. Uh, three women, yeah. Okay, okay. So I know that much. I know Better Best Forgotten. There's another... Um, hold on. I'm actually going to search this because I okay. want to know. Um, I feel like One for Sorrow rings a bell yes. for me. Yep, that's um, one of the hits. Five, six, seven, eight. Of course. Yes. There was another... Hold on, let me like... I know that I'm, I'm stalling <laughs> here, but I, I, I want to find out because I feel like there was one more song that I used to listen to back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> oh, It's the Way You Make Me Feel. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So those are the songs that I know. Great. You know, you know some of the lesser popular songs as well. I thought you were going to say Deeper Shade of Blue, which is like one of my favorites by them. Great oh, song. Great music video as well. Check it out. Um, yeah, steps. I could I could do a whole episode on steps because I was a huge fan. I had lunch boxes and everything growing up with steps. They right. they lasted a while, right? They had a resurgence. They came back. They released a new album. Uh, Michelle Visage did a song with them on their album. 
Um, they went on tour, which sold out, like in the UK. Honestly, they came back and had this massive resurgence, all of them together as well. Um, a member of them, Faye Toza, who's incredible. Um, she was performing up in the northeast of England for a while. She was doing like musicals up there, which was incredible. Uh, yeah, they're like, you mentioned Steps to anyone from the UK. They know exactly who you're talking about. And like probably their biggest song is Tragedy, which they covered by the Bee Gees. Um, and like there's the iconic dance routine to that as well. But um, yeah, so Steps a huge deal, man. Okay, um, okay. All right. I'm guessing you know All Saints. I do know All Saints. Um, mm-hmm. They had one big hit in the US, Never Ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, um, because of Never Ever, I learned that uh, British people say Z instead of Z for the alphabet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They, and they it's have interesting. A line in that song. It's so interesting you mentioned that because in the Spice Girls song, so here's a story from A to Z. That's not the way we would say it, but because it rhymes, it makes sense, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, we actually say Zed. Um, yeah, that's wow. and that's like and, all over Britain. Everybody from Britain, regardless of where you're from, yeah. says Zed. <laughs> that's what I, I learned that. I remember because um, I think I like asked my mom or something. I was like, what is Zed? Like, what are they saying? And she was like, oh, that's like mm. how British people say Z. Um, <laughs> now, All Saints, um, I also really love Pure Shores. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course. Um, but they had a song um, maybe. Um, in 2018 or something um it was a newer song that they released i mean it was a more recent song i guess um after all mm, yeah so they they had that song and for some reason that song got on my radar and i listened to that song as well so i i have like three three or four um all saints songs that i've listened yeah, to. yeah you do you should check out their cover of uh, under the bridge as well by red hot chili peppers it's actually a really good cover yeah i mean that is <laughs> one of my like top all-time songs really yeah all since they they do check it out jesse you'll like it it's a good cover of that song i'm writing this um, down <laughs> okay all right so now we're moving into like boy boy bands um yes and individual artists so the band blue do you know them I know nothing about blue i've never heard of them blue. okay that's interesting um so yeah like they they have controversy about themselves they would be interesting to read about actually there's a lot of controversy about certain members of blue um but yeah, they were huge. Like they have one of their famous songs is All Rise. Um, they did a song with Elton John. Um, they yeah, they had like massive kind of boy band success. Um, one of the most beautiful members, Duncan, um, who went on to like do a lot of like theater and Broadway and stuff like that. Um, yeah, he's like has like probably the most successful career from Blue. Lee Ryan did as well, who was one of the lead singers, but there's a lot of controversy around him as well. A lot of allegations of domestic violence and stuff like that as well. But yeah, they're a whole deal if you ever wanted to look into Blue. But yeah, some of their songs, All Rise was huge. It was everywhere. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, do you know, I'm guessing you might do, but do you know Robbie Williams? I do. I know okay. Robbie Williams. Um, I knew him as a solo artist. I know you, you mentioned take that as well. Um, so, uh, okay. Take that had, I think probably like one big hit in the U S. Um, and, uh, back for good. Is that the name of the song? What did you say? Is it back for good? Is that the name of the song? Oh yeah. 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 Want you back. Yes, 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 yes. So that was the big song in the US. I did not have awareness of who that was by. I just remember hearing it as a child on the radio. 
Um, so interesting. Yeah. So that was a, that was their song in the U S I feel like that was popular. I would have to fact check for sure. Um, Mm. but I knew Robbie Williams because, uh, he would get rotation on VH1 in the U S and, um, he, so I remember, uh, like millennium was big. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, And he had, he had a couple of, I mean, angels was huge for me. Um, and it's funny because two, two, you know, artists that I know of that have covered angels are Jessica Simpson and um, David Archuleta from American Idol, if you're familiar with him. Yeah, I know um, David Archuleta. That's interesting. Yeah. So they both have covers of, of that song. Um, mm. And I know Robbie was kind of a controversial figure as well at times and a sex symbol. And, uh, you know, didn't he have kind of like a bad boy reputation? Yeah, yeah, he was yeah, he was the bad boy. And he's the one, obviously, that left take that as well. So it was yeah. kind of attached to him as well by the media, but but arguably had huge success since leaving the group. Oh, my God. Um, but interesting fact with Robbie Williams. So he had a song called Rock DJ. And I've massive, you know that song, yeah? Mm-hmm. Massive in the UK. And I remember it came out the same time as Britney Spears' Lucky. And there was a chart battle as to which was going to become number one in the UK. Literally, it was neck and neck. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, so that was, and the music video to Rock DJ, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there's two versions. There's a heavily edited version, and then there's like a like R-rated version. Um, and we yeah. only ever got the heavily like edited version um, until it was like after 10 o'clock on MTV, they showed the real version one time. And everyone was like, whoa um yeah was that the one where he gets naked or uh, like he gets naked and then like pulls his own skin off yeah yes, 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 yes. Okay. wild yeah <laughs> um yeah yeah i remember i remember robbie for sure and thinking mm. like he's kind of attractive like kind of you know what i mean i think it was just like the intrigue with him because he was he was like a little bit of a boundary pusher you know yeah 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 he was um yeah he was definitely on my radar uh when he was yeah he was he was hot yeah um so i won't kind of lean into take that because obviously you know about them um yes. although take that when robbie was part of them they did a cover of uh, the barry manilow song could it be magic and their version for me way better way better writing another um, note down if you don't know that check it out barry manilow's is like a slow p- like piano ballad because hello it's barry manilow um yeah. But their versions like upbeat pop, like the music video is so gay, and I'm here for it. Um, check it out, honestly. Okay. Um, okay. So then, the last kind of three I'll ask you about. Uh, do you know yes. the boy band Five? I do. Okay. Um, they had a little bit of U.S. success. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, they had Slam Dunk, the Funk. Yes. And then yes, they had banger. When the Lights Go Out. Yes. 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 Um. Yeah, they, they were huge around this time. So they had big songs like Keep On Moving was a big song of theirs. Uh, got the feeling. It's like, you got the feeling. And then um, Everybody Get Up. That was like a big okay. song of theirs as well. Um, yeah. Do you know Do you know this little band? I say that ironically because they were massive. Uh, Westlife. Westlife, yes. Okay, so um, Westlife had a little bit of a moment in the US, but not like a huge one. Um, okay. I don't remember if it was because of like a Disney thing or what it might've been. Um, but I know, um, swear it again. Yes. Uh, huge. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then th- do they have lost in you? I'm unfamiliar with the title lost in you. 
This is this is very very niche and specific. Are you familiar with the massive country artist Garth Brooks? I might have just heard their name passing. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> he is like insanely popular here. Um, he he like still sells out. He literally he I mean he's he's been around for forever and he just he still sells out like eighty thousand person arenas in the United States. Like wow. So yes, now he <laughs> in the um when was it whenever he did this yes very late 90s like very end of, of like maybe like summer of 1999 um he wanted to do uh, a different more artistic project and so he came up with an alter ego named chris Gaines, um and he released this song called lost in you and um it was a very weird concept type of of album that he was trying to do he was going to um create this alter ego and then release a movie called the lamb um starring as garth brooks starring as chris Gaines, this fictional like rock pop star um and so he released he i don't think he ever released the um uh, movie but he did release the album and it was mm. like panned and it was not received well people <laughs> uh people just didn't really get it but um i'm not a uh garth brooks person but i loved lost okay. in you um and westlife recorded a cover of lost in you a few years after that which i don't know why i don't really That's understand anything about how they would have recorded a cover of this very obscure failed artistic concept project from a country star in the United States, but they did. And um, yeah, it was a a very specific moment in time. They also were featured on a a Mariah Carey song too. Yes, they were, uh, which was a, uh, well, they, uh, Phil Collins cover. Uh, Yeah. So Mariah was in that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, they were known as like, I mean, so they're Irish, right? And they were known, they were managed by Louis Walsh for many years. Uh, Louis Walsh, very prominent um, kind of music manager of like boy bands, especially from Ireland. He's Irish and he he features on UK X Factor as a judge for many years. Um, But yeah, they were like known as the band that used to just do cover songs. Like they used to take a lot of popular songs and cover them, but they do have some of their own smash hits and one of them, the big ballad of theirs is Flying Without Wings. Like that song okay. is massive. And that music video is really cool as well, actually. I strongly suggest if you don't know to listen to Flying Without Wings. It's a huge ballad. Write um, it down. And the, write it down. And the other one, which is a bop, is When You're Looking Like That. Okay. That is upbeat. It's fun. It's just energetic. Yeah. They had some, they had some massive success in the UK. Like my younger brother owned their album as well. Like, we used to listen to them all the time. Um, um, can I say something really quickly? Because uh, we talked about like UK slang before we started recording. I uh-huh. One thing that I love that a British person will say is whenever they say it's a tune. When they say, oh, like, yeah, it's an absolute. And it's interesting because you said tune, whereas we said tune as well, like the yeah, pronunciation tune. of the T. Uh, but yeah, we say it's an absolute tune. Um, and sometimes people say, like, there's, there's certain things where it's like, it's a small tune, it's a medium tune, or it's a big tune. Oh my God, I'm obsessed. <laughs> I'm adopting that. I'm appropriating. I'm stealing culture. I love it. Yeah. So like, yeah. So like if you're, you're out in a night out and like a song comes on and someone's like, oh, this is a banger. This is a tune. And you might be like, you might be like, mm, is it? You're like, small tune. But then like, if it's a good song, like it is good, you like it, then it's a medium tune. But then if you love it, 
yeah it's a big chew <laughs> that's so funny and so for y'all that can't see um adam's doing hand motions too so um yeah. i will incorporate those uh somewhere in my uh <laughs> content creation zeitgeist don't worry you will see the hand motions there you go um <laughs> and the last band i want to ask about is boyzone so I know of their existence and I don't know anything about them beyond that. Okay. Do you know the singer Ronan Keating? I, that's another name that I feel like I've heard for some reason, but I don't know anything about him. Okay. Interesting. So Ronan Keating was part of Boyzone. They were again, another Irish band um, and they had some big hits um, again, like, but Ronan Keating, like once the band kind of separated, uh, one of the members unfortunately passed away um, and they Ronan Keaton had argued he was like always the lead singer right mm -hmm. and then when he had a pretty successful solo career um he had a song that was featured in Notting Hill like the main kind of like anthem of Notting Hill was in there okay. he had songs like Life as a Roller Coaster and stuff like that like major major success um but yeah Boyzone were like just another band that was kind of like hanging around in that era that were really big and I remember when you know they kind of again when they separated and went on their own way like people were just girls were in tears in like schoolyards everything like that same as take that when robbie left take that and then they went on hiatus like the drama in the schoolyard was unbelievable um but yeah i don't wild. i don't mean to laugh because like i would absolutely <laughs> be so engaged with my faves too like i totally get it but it is fucking hilarious <laughs> honestly the drama you couldn't get past it was unbelievable but these people were like idols they were like gods to like teenagers at this point it was wild before like you had stuff like apps and anything like that where you can just click on look at somebody's instagram page like stuff like this happened you're like oh my god it's the end of them it was yeah it was wild i love that <laughs> i really appreciate you taking me uh on this journey of of like uk culture and what has translated and what hasn't i know you and i have had conversations about like girls aloud and yes. um you know cheryl and everything too so um i just really appreciate you kind of exposing me to other things because um i listened you know girls aloud like overall i was like okay like like small tune small tune um <laughs> But I really, like, the songs that I really like, I really, really like. I mean, right. I can listen to On the Metro, like, on, like, a Coke-filled, like, loop. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. they they put something in that song. Mm -hmm. um, and then, like, the show and Call the Shots, like, there's a few yeah. of them that I, I just really, really like. So, mm -hmm. yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> really appreciate it um and and what a pleasure it was to be able to talk with you about s club and um you know uk things and american things and uh really really enjoyed this conversation and before we sign out i would love for you to just talk a little bit about um some of the you know uh, content that you create what you do your show i know you have multiple shows and other things that you're working on so you know give us a little overview a snapshot plug whatever you want to plug and of course i'll include links to find you on social media in the episode notes oh thank you i appreciate that so um yeah i mean on socials i am at strawn 87 on like everything so if you type that in you'll see my face um, I have a YouTube channel. It's predominantly uh, reaction videos. Uh, I do a little bit of other stuff as well, but that kind of like is its own thing. And that was just something I started during lockdown and it really kind of took off. And yeah. I discovered a lot of artists from around the world. A lot of like, I've shared one particular with Jesse as well. 
Um, and that's its whole thing. So yeah, if you type in my name, you'll find me on YouTube. Um, I have two podcasts. I have one called Into You and I have another one called Last Week On. Into You is when I take a, I just conversational. I'm chatting to a guest every kind of week or so, and I'm getting to know things about their life. And I've had a few people on there. I've had Troy on there. I've had Zach on there. Um, and I've had like other people on there as well. I just find it so interesting to hear about people's lives and what they've done to get to where they are now. I just find that so interesting. So that's Into You podcast. And then last week on is when I do more like review content. So I'm reviewing more like film and TV. So at the moment, like we've done a lot of stuff, like we were talking earlier, I've done Kill Bill 1 and 2 with uh, our mutual friend Troy. Um, I've done all of the TV show Invincible as well. Uh, we've covered the butterfly effect. Um, and then now at present, we are going through the Last of Us TV show. So me and my friend Joey are going through episode by episode and doing that. Uh, which is a lot of fun. So yeah, if you want to come and listen to me talk about those things or check out my content, that's where you find me. I love that. Adam, once again, just really appreciated today's conversation. And you are officially one of Jesse's girls now that you've been on. So you're a friend, you're a friend of the pod. And um, I'm really excited for people to hear this episode. So um, thanks. And I will talk with you very soon. Well, thank you, Jesse. This has been my pleasure. And anytime you want to talk about UK culture, especially nostalgia, like bring me back in. I am there. <laughs> I'm about it. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys later. Take it slowly, a step at a time. Come on, get close, close up to me.